How's it going, Yankee fans? Welcome back to Fireside Yankees with your boys, Alex and Ryan, talking about Spencer Jones today and a little bit of an interesting storyline developing here. John Heyman of the New York Post reported that the Yankees are refusing to send Spencer Jones pretty much anywhere because apparently the uh, Milwaukee Brewers asked the Yankees for Jones in a prospective Corbin Burns deal. Of course, this is before the Orioles came in and swept them away and gave them a good offer. But they wanted Spencer Jones, and the Yankees said, no can do. We like our Spencer Jones. We think he is a in- integral piece to our future. Obviously, uh, lots of upside there. If you're interested to learn more about Spencer Jones, we record about him pretty much all the time because he's really one of our favorites. But also, on the new Baby Bombers podcast, you can go check that out on the YouTube channel. It's all set up, and you guys can uh, definitely get some more information on the youngsters on this team and a little bit more value there, kind of centric around uh, those young players and their upside and potential and breaking them down in a little bit more detail than you might find on the Fireside Yankees podcast because we're talking about news and generally everything here. And today we want to discuss why the Yankees are kind of keeping Spencer Jones off the table, what that means to us, and what that means in terms of their pitching. Was it worth it? Should they have made that deal if it was centered around Jones? I think it's an interesting conversation to have, Ryan. Before we dive into it, how do you today, my friend? I'm doing good. And, you know, you you mentioned like, hey, the Yankees are probably not moving Spencer Jones. And I think it's the right call. I know that people are going to say, well, what if he isn't good? Well, guess what? That's the Yankees risk to take. And if their evaluation of him is that he is a unique physical specimen who they should give a chance to let play for another year in their system before they ever decide, you know, to trade him. That's a pretty fair evaluation. His value could also only go up. I'm not saying this to say that a generational talent will become available in the next 365 days, but I don't think we thought, oh yeah, the Yankees are going to trade for Juan Soto from the San Diego Padres after the San Diego Padres went to the NLCS, right? Like, I don't think anybody was thinking to themselves, in a year from now, the New York Yankees will be trading for Juan Soto following their playoff appearance in 2022, right? Things happen. Teams go up and teams go down. Teams play really well and then teams collapse. You don't know who becomes available. So if you're trading Spencer Jones before he's even like a consensus elite, elite prospect, you could miss out on a lot of opportunities. Imagine if the Yankees, you know, let's say at the deadline, right? Let's say they traded Austin Wells, or let's say they traded, you know, a Spencer Jones, or let's say they traded Chase Hampton. Would they be in the position they are now to go out and acquire really a lot of different players, whether it's at the deadline or I'm not saying it's going to happen before spring training, but you never know what becomes available. Maybe the Yankees do something before spring training. You don't know what happens across the league. You don't know what becomes available. So if you're the mindset of these prospects are not proven major league players, we need to trade them. I understand, but what I'm saying is that there's nobody available right now that is warrant that warrants saying we're going to bail on what per- Jones could be as a prospect, because if Jones puts up really good numbers next year, again, not saying he's going to debut, but if he puts up really good minor league numbers and he makes some skill progressions, this is a consensus like top 20 prospect in baseball, and he's going to net you literally any play on the planet. So um, if you want to trade him, I understand, but let's wait a year, right? Like, let's let him build up his value a little bit more. And then I'm in this camp, the camp of, I think Spencer Jones has a chance to become a really good baseball player. I I, I understand why the Yankees evaluation of him dictates we're not trading him for a rental. I think Corbin Burns is a top three pitcher in baseball. This episode is not going to be me and you talking about how Corbin Burns isn't that good and he's a bum and I don't even, you know, the Orioles didn't this and that. Like, nah, the, the Orioles got a top three pitcher in baseball. The Orioles got a guy who I would put in the conversation with Garrett Cole and right next to Garrett Cole. You know what I mean? And, and I don't feel that way about many other pitchers in this league. For me, it's Wheeler, 
Burns and Cole. That's my top three. Love Yamamoto. He's got to pitch first. Love a lot of these other really talented starters. They don't pitch enough for me. You know what I mean? I need guys who are bulldogs. Corbin Burns is a bulldog. He's a workhorse. He's everything you want at the top of the rotation. And it's unfortunate that the Baltimore Orioles got him. It, it is what it is, right? Like, sometimes two things can be true. Spencer Jones can be too much of an asking price because you know the Brewers asked for more too. They didn't just go, yeah, give us Spencer Jones and that's it. I think the Yankees would have entertained a one-for-one -one swap, Jones for Burns. I'm not saying they would have done it, but I think they would have entertained it. It was probably like, hey, we want, you know, Ham you know, uh, uh, Jones at a starter. Even Jones and Warren is a lot. Like, that's a lot to give up. You're trading part of your pitching depth. Let's be real here. If the Yankees sign Juan Soto, what are their odds of signing Corbin Burns? So you know you're trading for really one year of Corbin Burns. And he's a Boris client, so he's definitely not extending with you before he can hit the open market. Um, you know, there are a lot of variables here where it's like, Hey, I understand why the Yankees didn't trade Jones for Burns. Again, does it mean that Burns sucks? Does it mean that Burns isn't elite? Does it mean that we have to walk back the awesome things we were saying about him when it was looked like he could become a free agent? No, it, it just means we have to acknowledge that the Orioles have the best farm system in baseball and the Yankees don't. It's that simple for me. I, I, and I, and I, I get it. I just get the frustration, but it's there. You don't have to blame somebody for this. You can just say, Damn, the Orioles have a good farm, and damn, the Brewers and them made a trade. It is what it is. Yeah, that's exactly right. And ultimately, when you're looking at the Yankees' needs, now we've discussed this a hundred times in terms of we think that one big acquisition for the starting rotation would be great. It's but at least now we can kind of get an idea of like the Yankees are not going to give Spencer Jones or Jason Dominguez away. I don't think they're even going to give Will Bourne or Chase Hampton away unless it's for a player that, uh, you know, is substantial. Now, I'll throw this out there. Not only did the Yankees refuse to send Spencer Jones to the Milwaukee Brewers for one year of Corbin Burns, but they also refused to send him to the Chicago White Sox for two years of Dylan Cease. That should tell you all you need to know about how they think about Spencer Jones. If they're unwilling to give Spencer Jones for two years of an ace-level Dylan Cease who has tons of innings under his belt, he's consistently um, available. He was a little bit down a year last year, but we know had a Cy Young caliber year in 2022. There's definitely a narrative to build here that, like, well, damn, they think Jones is going to be a superstar. They have him in their plans. And I wonder how they're going to get him incorporated with Jason Dominguez, Aaron Judge, Soto, given they extend him, um, you know, Trent Grisham, there's, and Giancarlo Stanton. They have a lot of guys there they need to feed innings to. So it'll be interesting to see how they operate there. But to me, it doesn't seem like they're willing to part ways with any of those top four guys um, for any amount of talent. So unless you're getting a guy that has, like, five or six years or whatever it might be, but I don't think that's realistic right now. So what I think the Yankees are probably going to do, remain patient. If they don't spend on Blake Snell and that price tag doesn't come down significantly, I think they stay put until the deadline, try to get an expiring player that's having a good year on a bad team, and ride from there. Like a, like kind of the same idea that they went with Frankie Montas, trying to get a, a good player from a bad team uh, with one year left of control. Um, I think they try to do a similar thing. Now, I hope they do a little bit more due diligence on the medical side of things next time they go down that route. Uh, but I do think that right now, that's probably in their best interest is to wait, make sure the guy is healthy instead of trading quality prospects now for maybe a guy on an expiring deal or even just one more year of control. So I think probable uh, scenario is that's how it unfolds. You know, I'll get your take on that um, before we wrap here. Ultimately, just being... 
there's no rush. The Yankees do not need to rush right now. They have a great team on paper. They can survive with what they have. Um, but if things start to go in, in the wrong direction, they're gonna. Op- it's gonna open up a need. It's gonna open up a demand, and a team may be, you know, asking top dollar for another player because you know the Yankees waited too long. But again, I think waiting for a guy to be healthy, make sure they're healthy when you acquire them at the deadline, gives us a better opportunity to say this guy will be available and ready to contribute come the playoffs next uh, next year. Yeah, you know, the big thing here, if people are like, well, you didn't get Corbin Burns, you've got to get Dylan Cease, you've got to do it now. Well, let's let's slow the brakes a little bit here. The pitch clock was implemented to this past season. There were a lot of pitchers who were very visibly affected by it, and Dylan Cease lost a tick of mileage on his fastball. One mile per hour on your average fastball is notable. Like, that's important, especially when you lose an inch of ride on it. So, his four-seamer got worse, his slider had a huge drop-off in Stuff Plus, and I'm going to talk about Stuff Plus a little bit in a second here. Don't worry, I'll, I'll circle right back to that. Um, but his ERA doubles, right? His ERA goes from 220 to 458, below average ERA, peripherals weren't great his strikeouts walk rate was good but not great his ability to prevent damage contact got worse this guy was just worse at baseball this wasn't an unlucky situation and it's not like the white Sox have an idiot of a pitching coach Ethan Katz is a really high regarded guy he's a smart dude right like it's not like they have an idiot down there um you know it, it maybe Matt Blake is better than he is I don't know right you know I'm not saying that to discredit Matt Blake I'm more so saying this would pop up Ethan Katz because the White Sox have run out some really good pitching staffs when they were contending. That wasn't the issue with them. The issue was more so ownership and roster management, not the inability to get the most out of starting pitching. And then you look at Dylan Cease here, you know, the sick just doesn't pitch deep into games, right? Like he's not going to take the ball in game two of playoff series and deliver you six to seven masterful innings. He might not get into the fifth inning. That's a question for me. That's a question he has to answer. I'm sorry. I need to see Dylan Cease pitch before I give him, uh, before I give the White Sox, Spencer Jones, Chase Hampton, and more to get him. And I know people are saying, well, you have one year Juan Soto left. What about when he leaves? Well, what about when he leaves and you've got Dylan Cease and he's putting up a 4-5 ERA? Spencer Jones is, you know, the next top prospect and Chase Hampton's dealing for the White Sox. And you're sitting back and you're saying, why the hell did we rush this deal? Yankee fans. I understand your impatience. I understand you're, you're you know, upset that the, the Orioles got Corbin Burns. Trust me, we weren't happy with this either, right? But you have to understand from an organization's perspective why they're not just rushing into trades, why they're not just sprinting in to make a deal. And that's because right now, the Yankees are good enough. Like, they're a good enough team that they will make the postseason most likely. Could things change? Could guys get hurt? Absolutely. But if your thought process is, well, the Yankees aren't going to make the playoffs if Carl Dawn and everybody gets hurt, well, yeah, no, duh. If Carlson Don gets hurt, if John Carl Stanton goes down, if Anthony Rizzo goes down, if Judge goes down, if Soto goes down, if Cortez goes, if, like, if they lose their entire rotation and half their lineup, yes, yes, they will struggle. Like, that, I don't think it, that changes you at Dylan Cease, you know what I mean? And I think that's an important thing for us to remember. And then I, I stuck on that stuff plus point for a reason here, because this leads me to the next guy I wanted to mention as a starting pitching target. The guy who had the biggest drop, drop off in stuff plus between Shane Bieber and Dylan Cease was Dylan Cease. Shane Bieber didn't even have a drop-off in stuff plus. He actually increased by a tick. So if we're going to sit here and talk about damaged goods, if Shane Bieber is damaged goods, what's Dylan Cease? Because I see a guy who's stuff plus dropped 10 points. It, again, if Shane Bieber is damaged goods, he is a guy that we have to stay away from him. He's not a guy we can look at and say he's going to be great. Then why is Dylan Cease, why does he have a, you know, a bigger drop-off in stuff plus? Why did he have a worse CRA last year? Why does he not pitch as deep into games as Bieber? Right? Like, I'm not saying to say Dylan Cease isn't better than Shane Bieber. I think that's pretty obvious just based on the stuff profiles. But if you look at the last two years of success, Shane Bieber has the edge. 
If you look at the guy who's dropped off the most, that's Dylan Cease. If you look at the guy with the worst track record, that's Dylan Cease. So, you know, I'm just circling this all back to say, if you feel shaky about a guy like, you know, Shane Bieber, you should feel all types of shaky about Dylan Cease. You should be saying, press the red, the just the big red panic button. This is not a guy you buy high on. There's a reason why every team in baseball is like, no, we're not trading for this guy. Why do you think the Orioles pivoted? You don't think the Orioles wanted to get a guy with two years of control instead of one year of control, knowing that they're most likely not going to give Burns the money he's looking for? They went to Burns for a reason, because that price tag is just more reasonable. And I, I, don't, I don't know if this is a hot take, Alex. I don't know. If you ask me who I'd rather trade Spencer Jones for, I'd rather trade him for Corbin Burns, and I wouldn't trade him for Corbin Burns in a package. But I would rather swallow that bullet and get the top three pitcher in baseball, even if it's for one year, they get an extra year of control and a significantly worse pitcher who's coming off of the worst year of their career. I don't know if that's a hot take, but that's my final piece. I think that's a very reasonable take, guys, and always happy to hear your perspectives down below in the YouTube comment section. Make sure to like and subscribe as always, and we'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Yankees episode.